everybody. I'm Ohio State legend Shane Falco. He's Jimmy McGinney. She's Annabelle. No wait, that ain't it. He's Nigel the Leg. She's Danny Bateman. And I'm Clifford Franklin. We ain't the replacements. We're Vikings Report with Drew and Ted. Drewster, how are you? Ole, 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 ole. Ole. We made it, Ted. Opening we did. week. Opening week. Ole, ole, ole. Hey, cheers, babe. We remember some of those opening weeks. Let's throw some at you. On fourth down from the Bear 2, Tarkenton fires a running strike to Dave Middleton in the end zone. Chicago scores once more, but it's not enough. Ties it up at 20. We're going to overtime. Second down carry. Looks like a play we saw earlier, Tommy. Terry Allen, yeah. the first outside. And notice the shift of the ball, Chris, from inside to outside so he doesn't fumble it. He had 12 carries for 140 yards, and it helps sets up this quad shot. Fouad Rivez, it's good from 25 yards. Spread out by Johnson, deep down the left sideline for, for Moss. He juggles, he's got a touchdown! Ensuing Rams possession, not a good throw. Austin Davis picked off uh, by Harrison again, Harrison Smith rather, who takes it 81 yards the other way for the touchdown, and the Vikings would go on to win 34-6. Man, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that opener in 1961, first game ever. Who caught that first touchdown ever for the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, I believe it was Schnellenberger. Bob Schnelker. Bob Schnelker. Bob Schnelker, the former offensive coordinator that Jerry Burns so famously defended in his now infamous post-game press conference rant. Let me say something. As long as I'm in this job, Snelker will be the offensive coach. I mean, no, no question about that. No, no question about that. Yeah, yeah, he, he, felt like, he felt like afterwards. Everybody booing his job, he, he worked his ass off. And, he, and he, no smarter uh, uh, coordinator in football. They put his picture up there and boo him. Yeah, and uh, the guy that brought the U to great prominence in the 70s. <laughs> Remember? No, it's not the same guy. Oh, okay. We'll scratch that. We'll cut that out. And then we have the uh, 92, Denny Green's first Denny game. Green, yeah, that was Denny Green's debut as Minnesota Vikings head coach. They went in and beat Green Bay in Lambeau. Yes. It was a signature win right off the bat for Denny. And then we had, obviously, the one that everybody knows even if you're just kind of a casual fan, that bobbling catch, Randy Moss's first career touchdown on opening day against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right, right. And then finally, I requested this last one. It was 2014 opening day. It was Mike Zimmer's debut as head coach here in St. Louis. My brother Bradley and I went to the game. There's a picture of me and Brad right there. And we watched the Vikes completely thrash the hapless Rams. A lot of really good games on opening day, but it's opening day. I can't believe it. We're here. Hey. We made it. When the Vikings play Sunday, it's going to be for real. Yeah. It's just a little over, what, 50 hours from now. Okay, to fire somebody up means to excite them, to arouse strong feelings and passions about something. 50 yeah, hours, not days, hours. 50 <laughs> hours from now. The Minnesota Vikings and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be kicking off week one. I can't wait, brother. And we can't kick it off any better than the, the replacements with Shane Falco. No, what a great movie. That'd be Ohio State legend Shane Falco because I couldn't go for three Woody Hayes, baby. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Shane Falco. Shane Falco. 
Footsteps Falco from Ohio State. That's great, dude. Gene Hackman, who's been in about 3,000 movies. He coached that basketball team and this football team to a championship. He did. He did. Well, he just got them to the playoffs, though. You know who I am? Yeah. Jimmy McGinty. The old coach from the 80s. Do you believe that movie's 23 years old, Ted? I, I can't. Yeah, when we were talking about movies, I went to watch and it said 2001 or 2002, whatever it was. You're like, holy crap, man. I can't believe that movie's... That'll, and Keanu Reeves, I think, is immortal because he hasn't aged at all from that movie to today. <laughs> That's true. Him and Rob Lowe. Right, yeah. You, you know, Ted, chicks dig scars. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Last forever. We are back! We're back. Just like Kill Harry came back on the practice squad. I feel much better about the team now. Woo! Yeah, that's, you know, you just might as well go buy Super Bowl tickets now because Keneal Harry's back on the practice squad. <laughs> All right, look, before we get going, we got a big show tonight. We've got a little bit of news. We've got our contest. We're going to continue. Nobody cares about your fantasy team and the Rook Dog Challenge. We're going to announce another game here in a little bit, too. And then the one thing that I love about the regular season, our show more than anything else, is our uh, big board preview. We'll talk about that when we get to that segment. Uh, but first, I want to talk to you a little bit about Purple Pain Forms. They're our uh, internet affiliate, Purple Pain Forms. We're their official podcast. They are our official website. They've got a couple of really cool threads going on over there right now. They've got their Purple Pain Accountability and Pick 6 threads. Those are individual contests. They're a lot of fun to play. Go get yourself an account over there and join up. They're easy to play, and if you win – you can get stuff like tickets to a Vikings game next year and cash or a gift card, actually, or an appearance on this show, if you so choose. I don't think so. The guy that won the pick six contest last year was invited on, and smartly, he declined. He didn't want to be on with a couple of idiots. So he had the chance. Heard to the No. Probably had a, a reputation to uphold, Ted. That's right. That's right. And we got a lot of stuff coming with Purple Pain Forms. So purplepainforms.com. Go check them out. And then our website, vikingsreport.com. Ruby maintains that site. We just redid the prize vault for all the stuff you can win on our live post-game shows. And speaking of the contest, you know, we had a Purple Pain Forms. I mentioned nobody cares about your fantasy team. We're going to talk about that when we get to the segment. But, Drew, real quick, tell us about the Rook Dog Challenge. Rook Dog Challenge is the easiest way for you to win a hundred bucks. Matter of fact, we're gonna bump it up this year to 125. Woo! Rook Dog Challenge. Some of you know about it, and the new people may not know about it, but all you have to do is name the NFL Rookie of the Year on offense and Rookie of the Year on defense. Put your predictions in the comments below. We will ledger them and keep them. It closes opening day, Ted. When you say opening day, that Thursday night opener or the first Sunday? We'll go with the first Sunday because the Vikings oh. open that day. Okay, so all right. You have until the Vikings kick off to get your name in the Rook Dog Challenge. Like I said, give us your picks. One offense, one defense. And if those players hit at the end of the year, it will be 125 bucks to you. Put the comments down below. You've got this week and you've got next week. Again, NFL Rookie of the Year offense and defense in the comments here. Ruby will put them on our website, vikingsreport.com. She'll have a section for our contests, and you can see who has selected what 
offensive and defensive players they think will be rookie of the year. Can't change once you enter. Yeah, that's it. So if the guy you pick, sadly, like Lewisine, you know, he had a broken ankle early in the season last year. If that happens, you know, you're kind of out of luck. But the good thing is it doesn't cost you any money. It's free. We always do free entry here. Free. There's, we, don't, we don't do subscriptions here. We also have another contest coming up. We call it our Defend the North contest. You'll be able to win this really cool T-shirt that Ruby designed. We're going to debut that in week six when the Vikings travel to Soldier Field to play the Chicago Bears. We'll tell you more about that, but be on the lookout for that. We're going to play that six times this year before each divisional game. We like games, man. we got games coming yeah, out. Yeah, games are fun, games. man. Games are awesome. Don't be a game, fucker! All right, Drewster, before we get going, buddy, what time is it? Ted? Yes. <laughs> we haven't done that all season. I am cooler than you are. So why don't you fix your little opening day problem versus Tampa Bay and light this candle week one. He's right. Light this candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. All right. I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle. He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. There we go. We are back, baby. Opening week. By living in that world. You can be at your best when your best is required. That's right. And that's what this football team continues to do. I looked over at a couple guys. We were down 10. I said, we're going to win this game by three. And it has nothing to do with thinking I got all the answers or anything other than just the belief, belief, and belief that I have in this team that has removed all doubt like we talked about last night. Give it up for yourselves one more time. So a little bit of Vikings news going on. Both involving former and current tight ends. The, the first one, longtime Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph uh, officially announced his retirement. He said he will, I, I guess he's going to sign a one-day contract and retires Minnesota Viking. Gentlemen, it's been an honor to share the field of battle with you. It's on one-on-one. -on -one. Which I think is proper and fitting of his entire 12-year career. I think it was. He only spent three, I believe, away from Minnesota, two in Tampa, and one with the Giants. He finishes sixth all-time in team history with 454 catches and is second among tight ends in yards and catches behind only the great Steve Jordan. Pretty, 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 pretty good. And he has a lot more touchdowns than Steve Jordan as well. He going to the ring honor one day? I don't feel like it right now. I don't see it right now. I don't either. A lot of people think it's a certainty. I mean, maybe one day. I'm not saying he shouldn't unequivocally, but I'm just saying it feels like there's more guys more deserving ahead of him that should. That's go. how I feel about it. And, you know, he's going to retire a Viking. People announcing that today. What else is he going to retire as? He caught like four passes in New York. <laughs> well, he did catch Tom Brady's last touchdown pass ever, I believe. Hell of a college player, too. Yeah, he was. What's your favorite Kyle Rudolph memory? Do you have one? Probably that Hail Mary play or the playoff catch against the Saints. Oh, yeah, that Hail Mary play against Detroit. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. Yeah. I kind of like that one. Caught a lot of big catches for the Vikings. Big third down drive extenders, Ted. Great, great tight end, like you said, second to Steve Jordan. Uh, probably that. Probably that touchdown, that clutch touchdown in overtime. Yeah, the Vikings only playoff win since, what, 28, 27? 19, 2019, geez, when was that? Yeah. Absolute stun silence here in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. 
So congratulations on a fine career, Kyle Rudolph. My one memory of Kyle Rudolph will be him catching a ball and getting in the open field and getting so much yak you just you couldn't even see straight. No, wait, no, yeah, he wasn't much of a yak guy, but he had very reliable hands, made some big plays for the Vikings throughout the course of his career. He had seven more yak yards than the years he played. Man, that's just mean. That's mean, man. <laughs> 19. Had 19 yak yards for his career. But you know what? When it came to catching the football, yeah, that dude had some hands. Yep. Second best tight end in team history, I think, without question, don't you? Yes, without yeah. a doubt. We'll wait and see on the Ring of Honor, but he was a great player, retire a Viking, and we'll see. All right. And staying with current tight ends, current Minnesota Vikings tight end TJ Hawkinson finally got an extension done. Four years, $66 million, $42 million of that is guaranteed. He's now signed through 2027, and for the time being, he is the highest paid tight end in the NFL if you look at annual per year average or whatever it is they're calling it, average per year, whatever that number is. Do you like the deal? I do like the deal. And I wish everybody would get on board with it. I don't get the fan base, Ted. The Vikings never sign anybody worthwhile. They never do this. They never bring in the big name. They never do this. Then when they do it, people complain. Can't you just enjoy when they do something nice? No, no. Let, let me give you the typical Vikings Twitter account over this whole Hawkinson saga. Bobby Redneck McGillicuddy down in Harmony, Minnesota, sitting in front of his keyboard one day, and he's just mad. Starts typing furiously. I can't believe Kweisi Adolfo Mensa hasn't re-signed any of these guys. What a loser. What the hell is he thinking? And then, like, the next day, Hawkinson signs his extension, and Bubba Ray McGillicuddy from Thief River Falls. I can't believe he signed him to such a big, expensive contract. What a mid-tight end. Jeez, shut up. If Benson had not re-signed Hawkinson and let him become a free agent, the wailing and gnashing of teeth would have been able to be heard from here to freaking Mars. <laughs> They're never happy, Ted. Never. Never. <laughs> never. We ought to trade him and Justin Jefferson for draft picks. Rah, rah, rah. Shut up. We still have that photo of Bob from Bloomington, the president of ESAC. We, throw we do. There? Yeah. Everything sucks all the time. <laughs> all right. So that's it for Vikings news. The next thing we want to talk about is the one contest we've been doing since we started this show, and it's nobody cares about your fantasy team. Because nobody cares about your fantasy team. Shut up about it. Yours, ours, everybody. No one cares. Yeah, you're going to care about this one, though, because let me tell you how this game goes. It's standard PPR scoring. Every week, Drew, Ruby, and I will pick one quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers, and one tight end. We have to pick a new player each week, and once we have used that player, they are done for the year. We can't go back and pick them again. We can also not pick any players that are going to be playing in the Thursday night game because the show will not air till Friday, and if we can do that and somebody goes off and has a huge game, it just might skew who you would pick. So we can only do Saturday once those happen, Sunday, and then Monday night football game. And then you pick which team you think is the best fantasy team that's been assembled for that week. In the comments below, again, only in the comments below, write down who you think has the best team, me, Ruby, or Drew. If you pick right, you get one point. The person that has the most points at the end of the year wins a pretty cool prize, Mr. Bunting. What is that prize? Antoine Winfield, brand new stitched embroidered jersey, Vikings jersey. We're also paying out a second and a third this year. Again, comments below, 
only in the comments below. Not on the website. We let you do that last year. We're not letting you do that this year. We will have our picks up on the website, but you can't make your selections on vikingsreport.com. Oh, uh, hey, Drew, I'm just getting in on the headset here. Our field reporter is ready to check in for this week's game. Hello again, everybody. Robert W. Fosworth here. This week, a season begins anew. The NFC North champion Minnesota Vikings defend their title at home against Baker Mayfield, Todd Bowles, and the Tampa Bay Brady-less Buccaneers. Will the Vikings come out on top in this battle of last year's one and duns? Or will the Buccaneers swashbuckle the Norsemen? We'll find out. All right. Robert, <laughs> it's good to have you back. I hope you had a good summer. The season is officially underway now that we hear from Bobby Farnsworth. Yeah. Yeah. And we are now at my favorite segment of this show during the season. It's our big board. For those of you that don't know that are just kind of new to the show, Drew and I growing up were big fans of the NFL today on CBS with Brent Musburger and Phyllis George and Irv Cross and Jimmy the Greek Snyder and later on Jane Kennedy. The Greek and Musburger did their big board weekly previews. They'd have every game in a bunch of categories and they'd go through each game and kind of predict the winner. And that's what we're going to do. We've kind of modified some of the categories from the original big board, but in that vein and as a tribute to what I still think is the greatest NFL pregame show ever made, even to this day. Absolutely, Ted. Absolutely. Yeah, that's how we're going to do our preview. So, Ruby, if you'll pull up our big board. Got some new graphics this year. We've changed one of the categories or a couple of the categories. We combined the defensive line and linebackers into the defensive front seven because some teams go with 4-3. The Vikings are going with a 3-4. So we just decided to make it easy as a comparison and go front seven. We're always updating, Ted. We may be lazy, but we're never, like, really super lazy. As far as I'm concerned, we're on the cutting edge of everything. Movies, music. Yeah. Big board. All right. As you can see, our first category is quarterback. Drew, I don't know about you, but this really isn't much of a comparison. I mean, Baker Mayfield had maybe one good year in his first four or five. Led the Browns to the playoffs, I think it was 2020, and just kind of has been on the downslide ever since. I It's obviously, to me, Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback in this game. Yeah, this is really an easy pick. That said, every time we expect a big advantage on our quarterback side, it doesn't turn out like that. But Yeah. Well, the last time, I think the one and only time the Vikings played Baker Mayfield was when he was with the Browns, and he came in, he beat the Vikings. Now, the Vikings had a terrible game that day. Baker Mayfield wasn't great, but he made enough plays to, to beat the Vikes. The 14-7 game. Yeah, that was just a terrible game to watch. You got to give the advantage to Kirk Cousins in this. At home, I mean, come on. Quarterback, fairly cut and dried. Next category we have is the running game. Drew, who do you think has an advantage in this running game? It's very similar, I think, yeah. I think they're both a committee running back team. That means more than one running back. If anybody's oh, okay. Back. Okay, so they're not drafted legislation or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think Madison's going to come out on fire. I think he's got a lot to prove because he knows people are saying, what are we going to be without Cook? Rashad White, very good running back. Chase Edmonds, very good change of pace back. I can't give it a draw, so I'm going to give it to Alexander Madison and Chandler. I think our committee is better than their committee, Ted, without getting too technical. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Usually you have these tasty tidbits, but I've got kind of a tasty tidbit for you myself. 
Do you remember how bad the 2016 Minnesota Vikings running game was? Was that with Asiata and McKinnon? Yeah, and that was the year they traded for Bradford right after Teddy Bridgewater hurt his knee, okay. and they, they had like 35 different offensive linemen. The Minnesota Vikings ran for 1,205 yards that year as a team, which averaged out to like 75 yards a game or something like that. Yeah. That was, hands down, the worst in franchise history. Since then, we've been around 120 a game with Cook. Pretty good. Yeah, it's been pretty good. And last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ran for something like 64 yards per game. Far and away the worst running game in the NFL. And they had Fournette, right? And they had Leonard Fournette, who is no longer with the team this year. Uh, so for that reason and that reason alone, and I think the Vikings, which we'll talk about in a minute, they've got a better run-blocking offensive line. They might actually even have the better offensive line here in a second. I'm going to give the, the running game to the Minnesota Vikings. That is a tasty tidbit, and I think that's very accurate. And I'll say it once for the whole big board. You are correct, sir. <laughs> All right. The next category is receiving game. Who do you got for the receiving game, dude? Folks, we got some good receivers off this game. Both yeah. sides. Yeah, we do. We're shredding it up, Godwin and Evans. Mm-hmm. But this is our first look at the machine, Ted. We need a name. Matter of fact, if you can put the comments below, you can put a name for our receiving core. I'd like to see some names put in there tonight. Get to see the Vikings in action with all their receivers. Tampa's no slouch in terms of the receiving game, but they got Mayfield thrown to them. We're talking cousins to these amazing group of receivers the Vikings have. I don't know if it's going to click week one. Let's hope it does, but got to give it to the receiving game to the Vikings, don't you? Yeah, both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin had over 1,000 yards receiving last year. But like you said, that was with Tom Brady throwing to him. This year, it's Baker Mayfield. I'm going to make kind of a bold prediction and say neither one of these receivers for Tampa Bay goes over 1,000 yards this year. Neither one of them do. Okay. And Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver on the planet, if not the solar system. Jordan Addison has just been impressive as hell during camp. It's hard not to take the Vikings wide receivers, especially when you add in TJ Hawkinson versus Kate Otten for the Buccaneers. I think the Vikings receiving core is overall top to bottom better. Your comments just reminded me of something I want to throw out to the fans that aren't happy with the Hawkinson deal. You put a different tight end in there, defensive coordinator is a lot easier. With Hawkinson in there, you can do a lot of different things on offense because sometimes they're going to have to double them and roll over the coverage. It's a nightmare to prepare for Jefferson and K.J. Osborne and Jordan Addison and T.J. Hawkinson. So they need to keep that in mind. He changes the thoughts of the defensive coordinator when he's on the field. You have to account for Justin Jefferson, and you have to account for T.J. Hawkinson on every play. You don't have enough defensive backs and linebackers to account for Justin Jefferson, T.J. Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, and K.J. Osborne. One of those four guys is going to be open just about every play. Right, and from a strategic standpoint, that gives us an advantage. And we haven't even mentioned Josh Oliver yet, who looked pretty good in camp as a pass catcher. They signed him more for run blocking, but we'll see how he does as well. Speaking of receivers being open, that means Kirk Cousins is going to have to have enough time to be able to get the ball out, and that leaves us to the offensive line. Quite frankly, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' offensive line is a mess. The only reliable dude they have, I think, is Tristan Wirfs. They lost a couple guys from last year. From left to right, they've got Wirfs, Matt Feller, Robert Hainsey, Cody Mock, who's a rookie, and uh, Luke Gadecki, who's not very good at all. This is just a unit that just does not strike me other than Wirfs as a very good offensive line. And then you've got the Minnesota Vikings, who a lot of Vikings fans like to bag on. But I'll tell you what, they've got the same guys coming back that they had starting last year. Darisaw Cleveland, Bradbury, Ed Ingram, 
and then Brian O'Neill. Assuming Brian O'Neill plays, I think he will. I can't stress enough how important it is for an offensive line that they have this continuity from game to game and season to season. This is the first time since before Mike Zimmer was hired in 2014 that the same starting five offensive linemen are back for the Vikings. I think that's going to be a big deal, and I think it's going to lead to an improvement for Ingram and Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland, who I think is already fairly decent anyways. I'm going with the Vikings O-line here. In agreement with you right down the line, Mr. Ted Glover. The continuity, playing at home, always gives you a little bit of an extra start on the snap count. I think I would make it a lot closer if the Bucks didn't lose Ryan Jensen. That's a big loss at center for them. Yeah. And then Hainsey is even banged up himself. Yeah. So, you know, down one center and the other one's hurt a little bit. Cody Mock's going to be a superstar, but that's still two years away. I agree with everything you said. I'm giving the Vikings the check mark. If the Vikings offensive line doesn't come out smashing people in this game, opening up some lanes for Maddie and the boys, I am going to be disappointed. Yeah, they need to set the tone early uh, yes. to alleviate not only a, a lot of fears that Vikings fans have, and rightfully so. Look, I get why people are a bit irritated that they didn't do anything in the offseason. Kirk got beat up, and if you watch that Netflix series quarterback, I mean, Kurt had what bruised ribs for most of the year he dealt with. So I understand the frustration, but I would stress patience as well. I, I think because of the continuity that these guys are going to perform a lot better as a unit. Sure. And I think as a volume of offensive linemen, haven't they added like four or five guys in the last month? Yeah. Depth, they're still working out, but they got more people to choose from, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I'm cautiously optimistic about the Vikings offensive line this year. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, the front seven. Drew, you have the honors because it's Vikings report with Drew and Ted. Thanks, man. No problem, dude. <laughs> this was tough when you go down. When you're looking at seven, it takes a lot longer to look at it four. Both teams run the 3-4. Because of Vita Vea in the middle, he's the best player on both sides on the defensive line as far as I'm concerned. They still have Levante David, Devin White, Shaq yeah, Barrett. Shaq Barrett. They had some fantastic linebackers that have played a long time together. Linebackers are a position when you play with other people for a long time, you know where to cover their weaknesses. I don't know. I hate to do it, but I, I, I had to give Tampa Bay the check mark on the front seven altogether. The, just because the Vikings are young when you combine all their front seven guys. If the Vikings lose on Sunday, it's going to be because the Vikings offensive line is not able to handle the Bucks front seven. The Vita Vey, Garrett Bradbury, and Ingram Cleveland matchups are going to be, in my opinion, key as to whether or not the Vikings can do what they want on offense. You said it. If you're going to run kind of a 3-4 set, which the Bucks do, you've got to have a nose tackle. And Vita Vey is that guy. He is a legit nose tackle, under tackle, whatever it is you want to call him, that can completely disrupt the interior of the line and make you do things and, and adjust your game plan and make you do things that you had not planned or wanted to do. You add in Devin White and Levante David. They also have two first-round picks on the front seven, Kalijah Kansi. He was yeah. taken 19th overall. That's right. And then Joe Tryon Shoinka, who's been kind of disappointing. He was a 2019 first-rounder. He hasn't really done a whole lot. In his first few years in the NFL, he's got a, something to prove, I think. But then you look at the Vikings, and like you said, it's young. I mean, Kyrus Tonga has shown potential, but he hasn't done it for a full season. You've got Harrison Phillips and Daniil Hunter, and then Jordan Hicks, who are the big veteran guys, the presence there. But then you got a wild card like Pace and Brian Azamoa. How are those guys going to perform in camp? Right. Very glowing reports. I think the Vikings front seven can be decent to good. But based on track record right now, I have to go with the box. 
backs. Even when you break down the front seven, the three of the seven, just the defensive linemen, mm-hmm. you've got Tonga, Phillips, Dean Lowry versus first rounder Cansey, 19th overall, like you said, mm-hmm. Vita Vey and Logan Hall. Mm-hmm. If you compare defensive lines, Tampa Bay has that. So I'm giving Tampa my check and you are giving. Same thing, Tampa Bay, same thing. Okay, secondary. You know, Antoine Winfield Jr. is the standout guy in the Bucks secondary. They've got some new faces over there this year as well. They've kind of undergone an overhaul like the Vikings have. You've got new guys. Byron Murphy going to be the starter for the Vikings. Caleb Evans is be the starter opposite Murphy. And then longtime vet Harrison Smith and Cam Bynum, we sort of had it down here last year. This is close. If you want to say Winfield and Harrison Smith cancel each other out and you look at the other three guys, I think I'm going to give the edge – to Tampa, but like barely by that much. I mean, J- Jamel Dean is probably the one guy left between Winfield and Smith of the, the remaining six guys that is probably the best individual player. He's a really good cover guy, Ted. Yeah. And then uh, Caleb Evans just, again, it goes back to the experience thing. He flashed a couple times last year, then he got hurt with the concussions. If he could stay healthy, I think this secondary has a chance to be very good. But for right now, I'm going to just by ever so slightly, I'm going to give it to the to the Bucks. Ever so slightly, I'm going to give it to the Vikings. Okay. This is my closest category all the way down when you look at the players and compare them like you did. But I'm going to give the Vikings, being at home, it's brand new secondary, need to prove themselves. I think they're going to play really well. Like I said, it's either going to be a push or barely one way or the other. I'm going to go the Vikings. Okay. Red zone. I didn't really want to use last year's numbers. The Vikings were eh, okay. The Bucks were eh, whatever. Doesn't really matter. I'm looking at who they have this year, who they're matching up against, and most importantly, who the quarterback is. With that factor, that main factor of who your quarterback is and who you have to throw to, I'm going to go with the Vikings here because I think Kirk Cousins has more weapons, and I would like to believe that their short yardage game in the red zone, if they need to get two or three yards, they'll be able to do it. So I'm going with the Vikings here for the red zone. And they're at home. you got the noise factor for being on the road, Vikings. When it comes to red zone, quarterback poise, talent, Continuity, playing together. The Vikings have all that over the Buccaneers. This is easy for me. Vikings for the red zone. All right, special teams. What do you got for special teams, Drew? Joseph and our friend Chase McLaughlin, our old friend. (laughs) Man, this has to be a push. I don't know which way. McLaughlin's a great kicker. Yeah. But I'm going to go Joseph because I'm a Viking fan. Yeah. Ryan Wright's a pretty good punter. I mean, he punted the Vikings out of a bunch of jams last year. I'm going with the Vikings. Coaching. All last year, if you go back and watch any of our previews, we said, well, you know, the Vikings are 6-2, and two, they're 7-2, and two, they're 8-2, and two, whatever it is. Whatever their record was when they kept winning, but, you know, Kevin O'Connell still has to prove it. Well, he proved it. And I'm trying to remember, but I think whenever you gave the opponent the coaching advantage, it was because of the crutch that Ed Donatel became, the former Vikings defensive right. coordinator. A lot of reasons they got the coaching nod was because of him. He's gone. Brian Flores is in, and if you look at the Vikings coaching staff now, the top three guys, O'Connell, Wes Phillips, and Brian Flores, there's a lot to like there. Compared, Todd Bowles, who was also the de facto coordinator, defensive coordinator for the Bucs, and Dave Canales is their first-year offensive coordinator, came over from Seattle. He was quarterback coach there, coached Geno Smith to a renaissance career year over there, but I'm going with the Vikings here. They better outcoach them mm-hmm. because they are in a big transition. Tampa Bay – when you look at all aspects, players, coaches, they don't look like a team is going to win a lot of games. No, me? they don't. Just because, you know, they got to get their draft picks, you know, more time, and their their coaching staff hasn't really coached together. If O'Connell gets outcoached in this game by a new staff all the way around after having his staff together last year, it would be a, a problem for me. 
but I don't think he will. He really got it together last year for in the offseason for that opening game against Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Vikings controlled that whole game and pounded the Packers. They did. And I think O'Connell's done his homework. I'm expecting him to be a big edge in terms of the coaching. And with Brian Flores, you're going to see a whole different defense out there, Ted. That's another thing that puts Tampa Bay at a disadvantage. And this is one of my intangibles, which is our next category. Intangibles. This is my favorite category. Like I said last year and in previous years, this reminds me of my dad. Because when I was a kid, you know, we'd be watching the NFL today. Dad, what does intangibles mean? Son, it's stuff you can't see. Oh. Okay. I think Brian Flores and the new defensive scheme is an intangible. He wasn't a coordinator last year. The Bucs are going to have to go back and look at old film and footage from when he was probably in New England to kind of get an idea of what he likes to do. But he now has completely different personnel. And so what he did with those guys in New England may not be what he's going to do with these guys in Minnesota. You put in the fact that Dave Canales is a first-time offensive coordinator kind of calling the shots. I, I think he has the potential to be kind of overwhelmed. If you go back and read training camp recaps about what the Vikings were doing, they were confusing Kevin O'Connell and an experienced guy like Kirk Cousins and a really good offense for most of training camp. They had them frustrated and confused, and they said to a man on offense they were finally glad to be playing somebody else because they were sick of going against this defense. You put in the fact that the Vikings are going to be at home, the fact that as you read this, I am on my way to Minneapolis for work, as we speak, and I will be in the homeland. That's as intangible. You cannot put a value on. I think the Vikings are going to own this category handily. Biggest intangible to this game is Ted Glover being in the crowd. Well, don't have a ticket yet. I've got to work Sunday. We'll figure it out. But I'm going to be there in spirit, if nothing else. But, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun day. And we'll be live after the game. At some point after the game. Yes, we will. My big intangible for this game, one Intangible plays into the next intangible, which makes it two intangibles. Carry the one. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. The defensive look, you can't go back and look at tape from last year in our defense. Mm -mm. So they have nothing to study. That is a big intangible in this game. And, Ted, the more confusion it causes, this intangible works into Baker Mayfield, the hothead, the emotional player who makes mistakes. One plays into the other. If you get that guy flustered, Ted, more turnovers are coming. He gets angry. He's throwing his helmet. The defensive confusion plays into Baker Mayfield's emotions, which always kick his ass. They worked good in Oklahoma. Not anymore. Mm-mm. I think the Vikings have a real advantage with intangibles. I do. And our cheerleaders are better looking than theirs. Of course. Hands down. All right. That's our big board. And we're going to be doing this every week for every game preview. It is now prediction time. Drewster, what do you got for a for a prediction for this game. Ted, this is the beginning of a journey. This is what our team hat looks like right now. <laughs> Can you see that team hat, Ted? It looks like a birdcage. There's not much to it, that hat. This is the first step of the journey. The journey has begun, Ted. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake about it. That's the hat. This is the hat we try to get to. How about that for a little bit of visual nice. effect? Or this hat. One of the two... <laughs> One of the two we got to get. We got to be the pimp or we got to be the full in hat. So I'm going to say this game's not going to be close, Ted. I got the Vikings by about 20 points in this game. I think this is the beginning when everybody will be talking this week. The Vikings have figured out how to bury an opponent. I think this is the week. But I think Tampa Bay is going to have a lot of mistakes. And I think the Vikings are going to ride the crowd, ride the excitement. 
right? But Flores and your defense, everything rolls into one, and we have a great day. I won't guess the score. I'll just guess the spread. I say we win by three touchdowns. On paper, Tampa Bay is not a very good team. Tom Brady's gone. Leonard Fournette's gone. All the key guys, other than maybe Antoine Winfield Jr., Vita Vey, most of them from that Super Bowl year are retired. They're gone. They were 8-9 and nine last year with Tom Brady. Todd Bowles, watching him in the playoffs and a couple games I did see of them, made some very weird, questionable decisions. When you can only go 8-9 and nine with quite possibly the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, I think you are at a disadvantage as a coach. Will you add that together along with the, well, I think the better roster the Vikings have, I agree with you, they should win this game handily. And it feels like one of those games, this game is going to set the tone for the rest of the year. It's a great the Vikings can go out and curb stomp a weaker opponent, which they are and which they should do. It's just going to help them build momentum and get better as they gear up for a very short week and go into a buzzsaw in Philadelphia on Thursday. It's hard to say week one is a must-win game, but if they lose this game, now they're facing the prospects of 0-1 and going to Philly on a Thursday night, the defending NFC champions. And that's not a place you want to be at 0-1. And after that game, they're home against the L.A. Chargers, who were a playoff team last year. And then they're at Carolina, and they have always have troubles on the road outside on grass. And then they're home against Kansas City. This is almost a must-win game. All righty, so we got both of us get with a Vikings win. We're going to go ahead, take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap the show up with trivia. I love playing two-hand touch, eating way too much, watching my team win with the twins. presents At Home with Baker Mayfield. Hey, it's Baker from next door. I think I got one of your packages. I opened it by mistake. You sure they're not yours? Yeah, pretty sure they're not mine. Huh. Online shopping, it's my curse. You and me both. Hey, you got a wheelbarrow I could borrow? I'm gonna do a little mulching. Yeah, I'll bring it over. Welcome to the first Toots' Trivia of the Year. How are you guys doing? Good, Toots. How are you? Good. So, this week we have The Replacements, Vikings versus Bucks, and, of course, Picture Puzzles. All right. So, The Replacements. This one actually doesn't have anything to do with the movie. This is players that were replaced by other players when they got hurt or whatever. So, you want the, the replacement player that took over for the starter? Yes. Okay. All right, for 100. Which running back replaced Adrian Peterson when he went out in 2014? Oh, uh, 2011 was Toby Gerhardt. 14 was the year he was suspended for beating his kid. Oh, that was... Uh, McKinnon? I would say Jarek McKinnon, wasn't it? I would accept that answer. McKinnon or Asiata? Yeah, both of them. Yes. All right. We're Martell? Well, hold on. What? <laughs> hold on. We're Martell? Of course you are. Oh, that's rude. I don't, we're not Martell. I'm always the better one, especially when it's Keanu Reeves. I mean, come on. We're McGinty. You can be Annabelle if you want. That's fine. Whatever. All right. 200. Which QB replaced Dante Culpepper when he went out in 05? Brad Johnson. Yes. 
Very good. Ted Glover! Wasn't sure if you guys would get that one because quarterbacks were so confusing around that time. Oh, <laughs> you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting a new quarterback every week for the Vikings. Exactly. Which quarterback replaced Jackson in the third game of the 08 season? Gus Oyich Farrat! Yes! <laughs> Good. Ted is rolling tonight. Yeah. Ted, you're on fire. Keep answering. Keep answering. Gus had that 99-yarder to bury it on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks after that. Remember that? Yes. Okay. Vikings versus Bucks. This is actually 2022 stats. Who had the better stats for 100? Who had more passing yards, Brady or Kirk? I would think Brady. I mean, Brady, because they had no running game at all. Brady. I, I think Brady did. Well, you're right, but not by much. Closer than I thought. Yeah, Look, okay. at, that. Look at that, dude. I know. I was surprised. His stats were very similar. Okay, for 200, who had more receiving yards? Justin Jefferson or both Tampa Bay wide receivers? Tampa Bay wide. Yeah, JJ had like 1,800. And those guys were both over 1,000. Okay, you're right. But again, not by much. It's close. Yes. <laughs> dude, look at JJ's numbers. Crazy. Ridiculous. All right, you guys are absolutely killing me. For 300, who had more kick return yards, Wang Wu or the entire Tampa Bay team? I'm going to say Wang Wu because he had that kickoff return for a touchdown against the Steelers. Wang Chung. I'm going Wang Chung, too. <laughs> yes. Everybody get down tonight. Everybody have fun tonight. Okay, so it wasn't really, like, easy to find funny Tampa Bay names. So I don't know if this is going to be as good as it usually is. But here's all Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Name the player. Sean. Keyshawn. Oh, Keyshawn. What's that third guy's name, Ted? Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn. Right? Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, that's it. That's, <laughs> yes. that's Vaughn. <laughs> Very good. I want to say Keyshawn Johnson because Keyshawn used to play for the Bucks. Right. Okay, for 200, name the player. This is a Tampa Bay player. Uh, so morally, that tells me it's the month of May. Something May. Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call teamwork, Ted. There you go. Wow, you guys are going to totally sweep me. I can't even remember the last time this happened. For 300, name the player. Ed. And uh, who's that 11 guy? Isn't that Treadwell? No, it doesn't look like Treadwell. Looks like Heinz Ward. <laughs> um, Who's currently 11? Is it Her Harry? N Nikhil Harry? Ed Harry? Harris? Is this a Tampa Bay guy? This is a Tampa Bay guy. Uh, Mr. Ed. It's got to be an Ed name. Uh, who's the first guy, Ted? Something. Oh, it's Chase Edmonds. Yes! <laughs> that's Kellen Mond. Yeah, that's Kellen Mond. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. Alrighty. Jeez, took you long enough. Woo. All right, you All guys. Right. You killed me. We'll see you next week. Hopefully, it'll be better next week. Thanks, Ruby. Thanks, Tunes. Very nice of you. All right. So that pretty much puts Bo on episode, what was this, 104? Yes, it was, Ted. Episode 104, week one. It's here. Football. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're about an hour in or so. We are now 49 hours away from Vikings football from the first kickoff of the year. Ted's math is astounding. We're also coming up on 25,000 subscribers. Can you believe that? 25,000. That gives me a chubby wiggler. That just ended mine. That little that little phrase right there. Thanks for that. Thank you to all twenty four thousand and some change folks who have subscribed, who have liked, who uh, watched the show, who've who've commented. This is the number I made a Facebook post. That just how absolutely astounded I am by the success of this show and how much fun we're still having after going on like two and a half years. And can't wait to run this back again for twenty twenty three. 
because uh, you are by far the best co-host. I love doing the show with you. Without Ruby doing the editing, we wouldn't be nearly as handsome or smart as we appear to be. So thanks to Ruby for that. Don't forget, sometime on Sunday, we'll let you know what time we'll have the Vikings Report Rewind show with our buddy Christopher Gates. He'll be joining us. We'll discuss all the ins and outs of, of week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We will try to do better the next time. Buddy, for now, take us home. I'm so happy the season's here. We made it to another one, Ted. Thank you for being the great host that you are and making everything easy on my end. And now that we're done with the offseason, the free agent, the draft, the camp, all that, messing around and joking around. You know, there's some people that think, are Ted and Drew really serious? Are they always shenanigans? And are they just jokers? What are they? We are. I want you people to know out there, this is serious show, serious business, serious football info. The Vikings Report show is not for wussies. <laughs> Say goodnight, Ted. <laughs> Good night, Ted, and rest in peace, Jimmy Buffett.